0: Now, when it comes to the social media, we really decided, let's just rip off the Band-Aid. We can't call ourselves a cannabis lifestyle brand if we're always kind of like straddling this side. And so it was kind of one of those things like, yeah, here are the risks. We might get taken off Instagram. Like, let's see how we can mitigate some of those risks. Let's have backup accounts, this and that. Like if we have to have a merchant service processing that costs more or whatever. Like we need to just stop and make a decision. And so I would say that's something that's happened in the past year. Let's just fully commit to this.
1: Thanks for being here. I'm your host, Shada Tarabi, and I hope you're not getting sick of hearing my voice yet and that these episodes have been beneficial to you and your cannabis marketing endeavors. Today's guest, Maria Hansen, is head of marketing at Grav, a scientific glass company, aka they produce and sell a wide variety of smoking devices, including pipes, bongs, and the infamous Gravitron. But more on that later in the episode. Fun fact, Grav is headquartered right here in my hometown of Austin, Texas, and my CBD brand, Restart CBD, carries Grav pieces exclusively at our shop. So to say we're a fan is an understatement. That aside, they really have established themselves as a premium smoking lifestyle brand and have been around since 2004, helping to take cannabis consumption and the associated devices mainstream which is why I'm honored and excited to welcome
0: Maria to the show today. Grav is an Austin, Texas-based company. We've been around since 2004. Um, Initially, the company started off, I, I guess, quite similarly to a lot of companies in a garage. Specifically, Dave Daly, our founder, in his parents' garage. So shortly after he graduated in college, he moved back in with his parents and He followed in his father's footsteps of getting into being a mortgage broker. And it didn't take long for him to realize that really wasn't for him. He always had this sense of wanting to create something with longevity, like really put his footprint on something. And as a student at UT at Austin, he was the guy that was always like creating contraptions to smoke out of. And so one of those was uh, the all-glass gravity bomb. And he thought that, that makes sense. I've done it before. I'm going to figure out how to kind of produce this at scale, especially back in 2004. I mean, at scale was like possibly in the hundreds. I guess we can fast forward. I mean, that's how our namesake came. It used to be Gravitron, and that evolved into Grav Labs, And then as we know it now. He built out the business. He started hiring people um, around 2008. I mean, there were a lot of struggles in between. Pretty much almost going bankrupt, borrowing money from his parents. But I think the, uh, the overarching story was that he had very supportive family. Even though what he was doing was making bonds, I think they saw his vision. And... From there, it just went on to creating more and more products. I mean, now we have at least over 300 SKUs. So went from a garage to a big bong company. You know, you kind of highlighted it. Obviously,
1: Grav is an Austin-based brand. I, being from Austin, think it's so cool. I mean, obviously, the rest of the country has opinions on how Texas is, and especially when it comes to our cannabis laws. And so to be able to have such a proudly public facing cannabis related brand representing this state, especially coming from 2004, where I think the sentiment of cannabis nationally was a lot more closeted, if that's fair to say, and just to see what you guys have been up to over the past couple of years, I mean, really this conversation for me is exciting because I've been a consumer of graph products for so long, and I originally met Dave at South by Southwest two years ago when South by first started Holding a cannabis track and really started connecting the dots from being a consumer of the brand to, you know, now to connect the dots for, for our listeners. My company, Restart CBD, works pretty closely with Grav. We carry a lot of y'all's SKUs in our store. Um, not only are you guys, you know, touching on that local front, but we really do love the quality of products that y'all create and love the relationship that we've built. So it was fun for me to go from, wow, I'm a consumer of this product. I'm familiar with, you know, the Gravity Bong and all the other products that y'all have like since launched, but now to really connect the dots and be able to work with you as a brand, it's clear that you're very involved in the community. You're really big in advocacy. And so I want to get into that. But before I do, I would love for you to explain, you know, what your role is. You're the VP of marketing. How long have you been with Grav? And really specifically from your experience, how have you seen the evolution of the brand kind of in parallel maybe to the evolution of cannabis?
0: Yeah. Head of marketing. I've been there for six years now. It was kind of a humble beginning, honestly. I answered a Craigslist ad and it didn't say what the company was for. When I called, I had to ask multiple times, what? Grab what? And so then I looked it up online and I just thought, oh, that's really funny. Like It's a bong company. That's really cool. And I didn't take the job. I took a different job because at the time I was just thinking about my portfolio and this and that. Well, that other job ended up being a nightmare. And after about a, a month into it, I had called back and said, hey, is that position still available? Unfortunately, it wasn't. But three weeks later, they called me back in. And so That was, yeah, six years ago. The company was very different. Um, We were B2B only and there was no marketing team really. I mean, I started as a designer. I was the only designer and the marketing consisted of create some banners for trade shows, maybe make these labels for the boxes. Basically, we had a sales team that were just answering the phones. Um, We had back orders that were like 12 months long. And it was a different era for sure. We were pumping out great stuff, but it was hard to actually engage with our audience. We didn't have a B2B site until much later, starting in um, 2017. And that's when things really started to get interesting for us. That's when we could actually engage with our audience and start to gather data and really understand who our target audience is. And it was that 18 to 25 year old male, of course. And they were all about big bong rips and like the bigger, the better piece, all of that. But I will say, as we got into around 20, starting to get into 2018 and having the B2B site, we were really trying to focus more on that new consumer. The legal markets were really starting to open up in so many more states. So like, how do we make this brand less about just these particular products and more of almost like a home goods we wanted to normalize it and we wanted to attract a certain type of audience, whether it be more female, more mature audience. And we went down that path and that's when we started to do the co-branding with Jane West, who is a founder of Women Grow. And that partnership, it was strategic in that this is a great way for us to reach out to to those particular demographics. Now, I will say, we've sort of struggled from an identity crisis. Like, from the time that I've been there for the past six years, it was kind of like, this is our target audience. These are the people we want to reach. And finally realizing, like, all right, we want to be more than than just a product brand. We want to be a lifestyle brand. Who's our core audience? And I think now we finally feel like we've just like found our groove. Probably in the last 18 months, feeling confident of like, we are a lifestyle brand. We set out to be a, a cannabis lifestyle brand. We have our hands now in, Consumables too out in California. Well, we've licensed the name, the Grab name. And I'd say that there's been a, a big shift with the people that are coming into the space.
1: I wanted to highlight two things that you touched on. One, just like the history of the company, right? Like, I think so many people come into this industry. Seeing big brands like Grav, obviously, you have a great brand name. And then when you start to peel back the curtain, it's like, we're still figuring things out. And not that that's a bad thing or to call anybody out, right? It's just like the reality of, and I hope the listeners are understanding, do not let great be the enemy of good. You know, I think from our perspective, too, operating restart CBD, people are like, wow, your brand is so great. And I'm like, meanwhile, with my head on fire, like, I'm doing all the designs and I'm doing all the PR and I'm, you know, doing all this work behind the scenes. You know, I don't have a marketing team. Luckily, I majored in marketing, so I am a better suited co-founder and CEO to do that type of work. But it's not something that, you know, you just, you have plenty of time and resources to execute. So it's really cool to hear from your perspective, the evolution and really the recent nature of kind of figuring out, you know, I'm air quoting the identity of Grav. Another thing too, I think, to highlight is just the evolution of where cannabis sits in that spectrum. And I think for y'all as a brand being in a position to really like lean into some of that culture and help normalize it. And I've just been so impressed and such a fan of the recent content that y'all have been creating. Y'all have a really popular YouTube channel with over, you know, almost 4,000 subscribers. It seems like you're creating a lot of video content, which I feel is a little bit helpful for the products that you're selling in particular, you know, you're selling devices that people are going to consume cannabis out of. And, and I know that there's a lot of questions of maybe how do I use a certain piece or what does that do? So I don't know if there's anything you want to kind of dive into when it comes to YouTube, but I know that that's from my observation, it's been a really big channel and just how did y'all kind of start getting into YouTube and how do you maintain some of that content?
0: Oh, definitely. Um, YouTube. So we really started putting our efforts into that around the same time that we launched the B2C. And we had some pretty lofty goals. We wanted the content to be like elevated. We wanted it to tell a story. So we started looking for inspiration in other brands like Yeti. And we're like, this is great content this is how we wanna really um, engage with our audience. And so we actually had met with the producers of some of the videos that they have done. Uh, We couldn't afford six figure dollar price tag for one video, but you know, it motivated us enough to like, let's just start this on our own. And I think the way it has evolved is Um, We really were trying to drive traffic to the website from the YouTube, and now we've realized YouTube is a fantastic tool for us to show these works of art. It's one thing to see a piece in a catalog or on our website, but when you see that in action, you see that function, you see someone holding it, and... Um, we have different categories. You know, when we introduced the behind the design with our head designer, Micah Evans, he's a nationally known, if probably internationally known glassblower. Him behind the camera talking about his inspiration for the pieces, how it functions, and that every single decision is intentional. I think that really spoke to our audience about, what kind of work Grav puts into everything that we're putting out, and then also when we do these product launches, it's just fun. It's a really great way for us to uh, showcase like the products that we make. I mean, we're making bongs. Let's just say it. like that's fun, and that's kind of a that's an internal saying that we we share with each other. Like if someone's having a hard day or stressed out or whatever, it's like remember, let's put this into perspective. Like, what are we doing here? Like, this is an amazing job. At the end of the day, we're making people happy, or we're providing a tool to give them comfort, or to have just a really great time with their friends. So yeah, with the YouTube, it kind of went in a different direction than we had planned. But it has worked out so well in terms of how we can really showcase the product
1: yeah i i love just the action of like it's almost like you're able to destigmatize it through the action of showing people how to use it it's not a scary glass piece that you know yeah. to somebody looks obviously like drug paraphernalia but it's like hey like this is a fun casual recreational also medicinal tool. Like this is how you use it. This is how you can benefit from cannabis. I think it just helps crack the door open for people to be curious, which I think is really key in this industry. And so anytime that you can take away the stigma of what is that big, scary thing. And I mean, to your point, it totally makes sense. You know, when you're going from B2B where your main job is to really educate the businesses, the retailers who are selling your product, you know, that's one challenge, but then to actually go and undertake that now I have to explain to a consumer who is buying on their own accord. And I think adding COVID into that layer, we've especially felt it too, where, and I think because we've been a business, not nearly as long as y'all, of course, but at least two years under our belt in cannabis in Texas, we, we put out a video of kind of almost like a dispensary tour right when COVID had happened. And it was just walking people through our shop. And that I think allows people to realize like, oh, like i i can buy this product from these people on the internet this makes me feel better about what i'm buying or how i would use it or what to expect and i think it's just so important when you can't have somebody really sitting there walking you through things you know directly so i think that's really cool another question i have is also just to get your perspective on how things have shifted i mean you kind of touched on it right i think when you first were embarking on how do you market Grav to a consumer. It's okay. Here's this, you know, young adult male. What do they like? They like big pieces. They want to see smoke, you know? And now I think with the introduction of CBD, I think you have a wider audience, both gender and age, who are now looking at cannabis products and therefore looking at devices to smoke. And so I don't know if there's anything from your experience that you think is relevant to share just in terms of how maybe from THC to CBD has shifted the consumer in terms of going from like a gravity bong or a bong to maybe a smaller, more dainty piece of device. And the story I'll interject with that really quick too is I recently purchased a, I believe it's the large size of the bong. So it's a very tall piece. It's beautiful. It's the flat base. So it just like, you know, the water sits in it very nice And I'm a gal who likes a good bong. So I do own a few different pieces. So this isn't my only smoking device, but I was excited. I bought it. I did some content around it, put it on my Instagram. And I had a customer who follows me and approached me and was like, I love that piece you posted. I want that piece. How can I get one? And we didn't have the exact one in the store. And and I knew this woman to the extent of she literally went from buying sublingual oils to a steamroller at my recommendation and now wanted to graduate to the next piece. And I was like, you're going from a steamroller to a large, you know, over 12 foot bong. That seems like a lot. And my, my littlest sister, my youngest sister who operates the business with us interjects and tries to sell this woman a Gravitron. (laughs) She's like, it's fine. It's fine. You could do it. I was like, Nika, that's not a, she, she needs a piece for every day. That's not an everyday piece. You know, I'm going to go ahead and say a gravitron's a party piece in my opinion. And it was just a funny experience where I had to kind of help this lady understand, you know, yes, a bong is a good option. Here's why this is what maybe different sizes mean in terms of filtering or pulling the water through or whatever, you know, the case is for the different sizes of bongs, which I actually don't know. So if you have any thoughts of that, I'd love to be educated. But I thought it was really funny and cool because you're seeing people who maybe previously were not purchasing those types of products see women like myself or like yourself who are working at these brands using these products on our own. And then now you're trying to go sell and market it to them. So I just think you're seeing a different consumer and a different application with these different products. So anything you want to comment on?
0: Yes, different consumer. But I will say that evolution, um, that order. I don't think that that's that uncommon. You know, usually when someone starts, they do start with a hand pipe. And then I think after a while, they get curious. They keep walking in and they see these bigger pipes in the back or whatever. And there's something about that that's just mesmerizing and the shape. And you're curious about the function. I think usually what happens is people will go for the bong and then Later on, they'll scale it back. They'll start to see the other smaller pieces and the intricacies there and the kind of function that, that those offer with perks and stuff. It almost seems like it's that's kind of how it goes. And I don't think it's necessarily a demographic thing, either male versus female.
1: Yeah, it seems like everybody's just getting curious. And I think just to bring it back to to the point of, you want to help normalize it. And so I love contributing to that conversation, right, of allowing consumers to see these different types of devices, products, accessories being normalized as ways to experience cannabis, which also for people listening, you know, to realize smoking cannabis is the fastest way to experience it. And so I think, too, we're seeing a lot of especially from a retail perspective with Restart, we're seeing a lot of consumers who previously were not smokers hear of the fast acting benefits of cannabis and therefore are starting to look for smoking devices because they want to experience cannabis quicker. So I just think it's... um it's an evolution, but I agree. I don't think it's a linear evolution. I think it's really just like the industry is evolving and we're normalizing it. And it's exciting to see like, Hey, you can be a woman in her sixties and purchase a really badass bong and enjoy yourself on a Tuesday night. Like why not? Another thing I wanted to bring up because you said no holds barred. And I'm just always really fascinated. I think, Every time I do this podcast, I admit my cannabis affinity. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. But, you know, growing up in Austin, I grew up going to um, a smoke shop called Planet K. And I remember going to Planet K and you could not ask for the bong. You couldn't ask for the devices that you knew were like on the shelf to smoke marijuana out of. You had to be sneaky about it. So it was always like a water pipe or this is for tobacco use only and you know, now I, I very much see, especially looking at your website, one, you do use choice words, you know, I think you, you refer to it more as like a water pipe versus outrightly a bong on the web. So I don't know if there's some legal concerns with that, but then obviously in your products and your content, it's very clear. The application is not for tobacco use. It's for cannabis. And now I feel like, especially again, kind of reflecting on knowing your brand as a consumer to now kind of knowing you and your team more from a business perspective, I can tell that y'all have gotten more confident of like, we're a cannabis lifestyle brand. Like it went from like, yeah, you, you do some stuff with these water pipes to like, no, we sell bongs. Like you said, we sell bongs and it helps make people's lives better. And so I'm just curious how that progression has been both from a like brand identity, but also keeping in mind what legally you can and can't say.
0: Sure. Sure. Back in 2014, when I first started, all of our pipes had little stickers that said for tobacco use only on them. And that kind of helped us work around some legal issues for a while. And when we started the B2C website, um, we were very strict about the kind of vernacular we would use. And even though we've kind of loosened up a little bit, a lot of that... Basically stems from merchant services. You know, we have to go through the underwriting process a lot of times, and we actually have three websites now. We have our wholesale, our B two C, and then when we launched our CBD hemp flower, we have grabcbd.com, and so those are things that we still have to be aware of. Now, when it comes to the social media, it was kind of like we really decided let's just rip off the Band-Aid. We can't call ourselves the cannabis lifestyle brand if we're always kind of like straddling this, this side. And so it was kind of one of those things like, yeah, here are the risks. We might get taken off Instagram. Like, let's see how we can mitigate some of those risks. Let's have backup accounts, this and that. Like if we have to have a merchant service processing that you know, costs more or whatever. Like we need to just stop and make a decision. And so I would say, yeah, that's something that's happened in the past year. Let's just fully commit to this.
1: Yeah, I think you highlighted two, some things that one, I think it's it's hard when you want to be more blatant about things, but you do have to be mindful of the platforms and tools and services that enable you to be in business, don't always want you to be so blatant about things. So I think reflecting on that, you know, from a, from a payment merchant perspective, I mean, we've certainly experienced that too, you know, one payment merchant will say, yeah, you can sell CBD products, but they won't let us sell paraphernalia. And it's like, I use the paraphernalia to consume the CBD products. They're one and the same. And it's like, no, 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 that's bad or that's good. Or they're just making decisions for us. And and I think to your point, acknowledging, you know, you need to get really clear as a brand, as a marketer, what your messaging is going to be and what you're going to stand for. And I think that's where... There's some excitement, but also obviously the challenge of, okay, we're going to undertake this and we're going to now have to figure out how to navigate it. And I think to create some parallel and maybe get a little uh, dicey here, the state of Texas just decided less than a couple of days ago. And by the time this airs, we'll hopefully be a couple of weeks post the date the incident. So we'll see what happens. But the state of Texas right now is making it very difficult for retailers to sell consumable, smokable hemp right? And the weird caveat is I've heard you can get away with selling it. You just have to call it something else, but then what is the purpose of the law? And so kind of reflecting too a little bit on like what you said, you know, calling it the pipes for tobacco use. It's like, but we all know what this is for, but okay. If you want me to just like, you know, put the sticker on and look the other way or call this tea, all of a sudden we can get away with selling it in the same way I was already selling it. I just now have this horribly challenging marketing initiative to go undertake, which involves labeling and packaging and content and all those things. So there's not so much a question, more just paralleling. I think that's something that's inevitable in cannabis. You know, you kind of mentioned at the beginning, you have to just be prepared for these challenges. But I think the hard part is there's nobody who's come before us who's doing it. You know, I think for us as a as an Austin small CBD retailer, we're excited to see a, a bigger brand like Grab in our city who's like, hey, we're going to call it this thing. And so, you know, we've taken a little bit of that identity of when people come in, I say, oh, this is a bong. I'm not going to. You know, tell them it's not a bong. But then, of course, you see how the laws are shifting, and it's like, okay, just kidding. I guess I have to wink, wink, call it a water pipe, and that's all of a sudden okay. And you're buying tea to, you know, not smoke with. So I'm sure Texas has not been the easiest for y'all to deal with either with our crazy laws.
0: I mean, really, this is just Texas for you, right? It's like the same thing with selling dildos, right? They're educational tools. We have to call it something totally different. And this is just another example of that. Yeah, it has been no shortage of adversities for us. And I think that's the thing that makes us so strong, though, having been in the game for 16 years. This is just another hoop that we have to jump through. I will say, though, it it is unfortunate for a lot of newer businesses, too. I mean, There's so much that goes into the demand planning and processing and all of this stuff to launch a product, which then now at the final second, they're going to change the law. And even though in other parts of the country, they're deeming cannabis an essential business, it just shows you that not everyone is a winner in this game. So yeah, I mean... (laughs) I remember when I first started, or actually in my interview, the person that was interviewing me kept asking me multiple times throughout, am I sure I'm comfortable with this? Are you sure you're comfortable? Because there was this underlying feeling of, you know, this is a precarious industry and anything can happen at any moment. You know, whether you don't get, you know, a line of credit to even this, the CARES Act. I mean, I don't really know exactly what the reform is going to do for any cannabis industry, but it's always been this, you either you're riding high, or the next day or like something huge can happen and completely change your business.
1: You just got to buckle up and be comfortable with the uncomfortability. And yeah, I, I think it's just so comforting to be able to have these conversations. I hope people who are listening are rightfully terrified right because I think that it's not something that and I appreciate the person interviewing you reiterating that question you. like are you sure because I think that it takes a really strong-willed person to willingly kind of like walk towards something really you use a nice word precarious but it is very scary and dangerous I mean just understanding you know simple things like a vape cartridge is allegedly a felony in Texas, you know, depending on who pulls you over. Like that's a really scary thing. Whereas, you know, to your point too, in California, that's legal and I can buy those and those are essential, you know? So to be able to kind of stand up for what you believe in and really push forward, I think is something that is not lost, but like really, really required for you to be in this space. And so I just think that's really cool. Cool. You know, emphasis for people who are wanting to be in working cannabis. Another thing that I wanted to kind of bring up, especially talking on, you know, when you, you being anybody wanting to get in the space, obviously there's some sort of excitement to work in cannabis. I think there's a lot of the word that gets thrown around is like craft, right? People have this passion for it. They're craft growers, they're craft connoisseurs, they're craft brands, And yeah, there's this like huge social responsibility knowing how, how the history of cannabis, you know, has been demonized, especially with, politics and the incarceration rates and the exploitation of who a cannabis consumer is and just all the things that come across it. And you touched on your collaboration with Jane West, but I really wanted to dive into on how you as a company are kind of using your platform to help advocate for people in the industry. And I recently saw that y'all partnered with Last Prisoner Project, which is a massively important organization in our industry that advocates for all those great things that I just touched on. And so I just wanted to know, you know, a little bit from a a social responsibility perspective, but also, you know, if there's a partnership conversation to be had there too, what do y'all do when, you know, you want to make a change in the world or extend your brand into new conversations?
0: So the relationship with Last Prisoner Project, I guess it probably started about a year ago now. Um, I mean, time flies. And it started slowly, just figuring out how we could help them with events, how we could push their message. And really, it was something that we were hungry for for a long time. We felt that we needed to find an organization that really aligned with who we are and the kind of things that we're wanting to make a difference in. We've uh, been involved in other organizations in the past, but it, it was almost more like a silent partner. and so with lpp it just seemed like this is fantastic they have a fantastic team that they're really getting their message across and that they've joined with so many other brands that we also align with we were supposed to do some really great things over south by southwest with them and hopefully you know maybe another year maybe next year knock on wood but yeah it really opened the door for us to finally stick a flag in something and be like hey we're we want to help we want to have a mission and so uh what's great is that um, if you go to our website if you make a purchase you can roll up to either the next dollar or even up to an additional four dollars and 20 cents and that goes directly to last prisoner project and then uh, you mentioned earlier Actually, in fact, today we launched a Last Prisoner Project Classic Spoon. So it's one of our best-selling black classic spoons and it has their logo etched in the front and 100% of the proceeds go directly to Last Prisoner Project on that. And we feel like this is just scratching the surface. Um, There's so many cool things that we're excited to do with Last Prisoner Project and I feel like This really is just one of many organizations that we would like to get involved with to further this cause. Yeah, I think
1: it's so important too, because so much, of course, of this industry is education, but I think being able to do something meaningful where you're taking this platform that you have, which is really to help destigmatize cannabis, right? And bring it more into the mainstream, but then to also kind of highlight hey, this is this is actually what's behind the scenes in this industry and give the consumers that peek into it, I think is so important because something that I love, which resonates with me as a person and also as a brand owner in the space, you know, is just being able to activate our consumers. They're the voters. You know, it's not just you and I who are going and voting and and spending not with our you know time but our money, our resources. And so I think getting people to, be connected to bigger causes that align with you know reformation for cannabis as a whole is really important for this industry to move forward and to really erase a lot of the negativity that's been surrounding it for so long And so obviously it's like last prisoner project is a great organization. I know there's many other great organizations but then to be able to use a pipe, You know, it's it's something that you're obviously making and selling, but being able to have some sort of branding on it that allows people to just be like, oh, this is Last Prisoner Project. This organization does this and that for this industry. And it just allows people to be, I think, a little bit more connected to what we're trying to do in this space beyond just getting high, which is fun. But I think there's a bigger impact. I mean, especially when you're getting into... You know, of course, all the politics and stuff. We have to have a lot of opportunity, a lot of research to be done. And that starts really with the laws surrounding this plant.
0: Yeah, I think to touch on what you were saying earlier, it's like with great power comes great responsibility. You know, we have a platform and we can take advantage of that and use it to help push some of these types of agendas we see other certain businesses uh, taking advantage of how well cannabis is doing and it's time to pay it back, you know? So yeah, we are at an advantage in terms of that platform.
1: Yeah. I think it's like doing the best you can with what you have. Right. And so it's, yeah, it's like with great power comes great responsibility. And, and just for people getting in a space, it's like to realize this is going to throw you around and thrash you Pretty much constantly, but like, oh, what a cool opportunity you have to change somebody's mind. Like, I love being able to, especially from a retailer perspective, I have these customers who are coming into our shop, you know, on daily and everybody has their story, right? The, I've never consumed cannabis and -and so-and-so told me about this and here I am and I don't believe that it works, but let me try it. Next day, you know, the person comes back next week and they're that was the best thing, whether it was a smokable, a topical, an edible, you know, it's just like you can see that they're open minded. And as much as you and I love marketing, right, and love what we're doing, and I do believe that marketing is. I mean, it's the whole point of this podcast, right? I think marketing is great. I love it. But to realize that consumers have this power and this experience really from like a peer-to-peer experience. So it's like now that person, that guy who had that conversation, he tried that product, it worked for him. He's now going to go be that advocate. So yeah, anything that you can kind of add on, whether it's education, confidence, activism, like it's just empowering us to be more mindful of this thing that we love. And especially with what's going on in Texas, I just find so many of my consumers are obviously they're like the product, right? They're like, yeah, I love to consume and buy smokable CBD flower and, you know, smoke it out of my grav pipe. Like that's great. And then I'm like shaking them sometimes. Like, do you realize what's happening to the plant that you love in Texas? They're potentially trying to take it away from you. And you start to see people go, oh, oh, I didn't know that, you know? Oh, let me go advocate, let me get involved, let me do something. And I just think that those conversations weren't happening before. Obviously, when it's more like a black market experience too, you're just really buying and dealing drugs. And, you know, obviously smoke shops are not really having that conversation. So if you're a consumer, you're not really having it as often as I think if you're now operating in the space. So it's just an interesting observation.
0: I also think that consumers are more comfortable now taking a stand you know, they see their peers doing it. And like you said, you get to have those conversations face to face, which is so incredible, so invaluable. And just that one interaction can then just lead to so many other conversations. So it's powerful stuff. You got to empower them with information. I love it.
1: another thing on that topic too i just i have notes i'm like i love this um one of the things that i appreciate that you do on your website is you it's very subtle from marketing perspective of course my brain is like ooh, i love that that's great you include like some product details one you highlight who made the piece or who designed the piece i should say i like that you also include like use with flower which again i think a little subtlety but using those choice words, obviously you're making a choice to say flour instead of something more specific, like tobacco or obviously cannabis explaining kind of where the carb is and the height of pieces. But I think it's like a subtle way for you to give the consumer education. And so obviously I think everything is intentional that people do. I don't want to assume that it's not intentional, but I don't know how intentional those details were and why you feel the need to educate consumers on where their carb is.
0: Oh, sure. I mean, it's funny sometimes I'm used to it now, but when I first started, I was so surprised that there were people that had no idea what certain things were. And I'm like, you're on the website and you don't know what a bowl is. There's no harm in over-educating, you know? And so the fact that our piece is, there's some that can be very intricate. I mean, when I first started smoking, there wasn't concentrate. Actually, when I first started Grab, there were all of these contraptions that I was just blown away. I mean, I couldn't believe some of the like ash catchers and domeless nails and all of this stuff. I mean, even I had to go through some education. And so, anytime that we have an opportunity to put, you know, specs up there, even the designer, I think it gives a little bit more. Background and clout into, like you said, everything is intentional. And then also pointing to this piece works best with flour, this piece works best with concentrate. I mean, a lot of people wouldn't know why that is. You know, you want to have a smaller piece with less airflow for a concentrate piece so that you have a lot of flavor, right? Something bigger, like your bong, that's going to work well with flour, not so much with concentrate. It's got to travel there. It's got lots of filtration. There's so many aspects to this industry that we're just kind of like scratching the surface in terms of people that are starting to come and discover new products. So yeah, I would say if anything, it even still feels like we have a lot of work to do on the education front.
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think Also reflecting on my own personal experience, you know, I'd like to think I know what a bong is, but I'm not the most versed in concentrates or dabbing or even, you know, some of the ash catchers or filtration systems. And so I think it just is even an interesting process for people who I think have been cannabis consumers to be bringing these conversations into the light because previously it was like, okay, I just need a device to put butt in to smoke. I don't really care how it gets to my mouth. I just want it to work. And if that doesn't work, maybe I can, you know, I'm sure Dave can relate making all his own, you know, original gravity bongs. It's like, what, how can I get creative? I remember going to a music festival once and and watching a child, he had to have been like 13 or 14 smoke out of an apple, you know, and I couldn't even be mad at him because that's been me before. But so now you have this like, you know, behind the curtain type of experience of, okay, yes, we buy a bong or we buy a pipe to, here's some accessories to maximize the experience. You know, it does require education. And I think, you know, always assuming that even again, myself being what I like to think is a very seasoned cannabis consumer. I still am a novice with some of these accessories and devices. And so it's like never forgetting that as a brand or as a marketer, my personal like marketing code is repeat, repeat, repeat. Like, don't feel like you have to recreate the wheel Most consumers are not paying attention to what you're telling them. So just keep, you know, kind of to your top five points and just over-educate them on those things. And I think you guys do a good job with that, right? I mean, like you said, there's over 300 products, but at the fundamental level, you know, you're selling a a pipe or a bong and there's a functionality to it. So I think y'all do a really good job when it comes to educating. And I'm constantly being educated. I'm, you know, the first person to be a consumer of your products and just love what I've been able to both personally like witness, but then also learn just through the evolution of the brand. Cause it's, you know, consumers are sponges in that regard. It's like, you don't have to tell people really anything. I think that's a testament to Grav's strength. I mean, you said really in the last six years, you've developed this marketing initiative. Well, for the first 10 years, you've been successful brand. People found Grav, you know, and I think to generally highlight, you have this really great glass blowers program and community. So, I think there's this like underground kind of respect and presence that Gravis created in the industry. But to now transcend that and really go to a consumer market. So, like you said earlier, from B2B to B2C, to B to it's like, oh, we have to talk about this in a different way. We're now out in the public. And what, how do we talk about it? What are these things? So, I think it's just a, fun for us to watch and fun for us to keep watching.
0: I will say it's a huge part to a really awesome team. I mean, with the evolution of the brand, I would say we've added more and more talent. You know, we've broken out departments. We have a separate e-com department from marketing now. We do everything in-house. We do our video in-house, all of the photography designers, I mean it does take a village, you know? And and I think you had said something in the very beginning that I wanted to kind of speak to about being a brand and, and the challenge of having this persona like you're a huge company and you have your shit together. And the reality is there's like 38 of us total, like not in, in just e-com and marketing. I mean, in the whole entire company. People don't believe that. <laughs> They're just like... Wow, I thought you guys were a big company and they're surprised when they learn that we're in Austin as well. And so I guess that's kind of the curse, right? Like we like everything to look nice and polished and we want to be this big brand, but we're really still like kind of bootstrapping, you know? I love that though. I think
1: that's the beautiful magic of this. It's this, you know, expectation that people assume you have to be doing it for a certain amount of time or have this like experience or this budget that affords you, you know, maybe to hire external resources to execute on these plans and y'all are obviously proof that, you know, having a really good foundational product is key, but also having a why is key and I think that y'all have stuck really true to your why and it's Not that it hasn't evolved, right? It's just you continue to evolve as the industry is evolving. And I think that's where you found success is just learning to navigate it and also just really giving a shit about what your end product is to that consumer. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you wanted to add? I know y'all sell your products directly, but if there's a retailer out there who's selling Grav that people can go check out, I'd love to know from you who that might be.
0: I mean, we always love Grab.com, but our second favorite is Restart CBD.
1: Oh my gosh. (laughs) I love that. We obviously, yeah, are huge fans of y'all. I mean, it really is fun to be able to have like an Austin brand that we can like work with. I mean... It really is a geek out moment for me as this little Austin gal who's like, you know, wiping the crumb from my eyes, like, what? This isn't Austin. And, you know, you're talking about like, you know, your team size and stuff. For anybody listening, I did get to go tour Grav. I've been a couple times, you know, it's just it's so surreal to grow up in Texas and realize that like that's happening in your town. And it's just like so empowering. So just like, I hope, you know, I hope the whole team at Grav knows like, we're just grateful to like be witness to y'all helping lead this conversation forward, obviously nationally, but like extra, especially in Texas and 35 people, 300 people is just, you know, a Testament to you really just caring about this industry and really wanting to help push it forward. And so, yeah, we're just like geeking out that we get to work with you and we get to call y'all our neighbors and have this fun experience in Texas. I want
0: to flip the script there, too, because I will say you have been so helpful for us. I remember the first time I talked to you and we wanted to do a video and you let us use your location. And particularly, it was important. We we needed a dispensary kind of location. Being in Austin, we don't have a whole lot of options. And so I remember going there and, and walking through and I was like, oh, my God, this is real. This is in Austin and it looked amazing. And I guess i could share that sentiment on the other side where you're like in awe. I was feeling the same way. And I was super proud to be looking at the future right there, you know? And I don't think we have another strong relation as strong as the one that we have uh, with you. I think it's just, in terms of you know being a CBD dispensary type business in Austin, it's been so helpful too, and and to have you come to our office and speak to the whole company and educate us on your products, I mean that was powerful for us. So thank you.
1: That means so much, like seriously, from the bottom of my heart, and like. Yes, I appreciate having a relationship which has afforded me the opportunity to to have conversations with you and your team multiple times to obviously have you on the podcast. Like I sincerely appreciate you taking the time to do this, but it is like so much bigger than that. It's like I whether I had restart CBD or not, like truly honest to God, have been a fan of Grav and the fact that like I've gotten to rise up in our community and create a brand that is trusted and has opportunities to work with Grav is just like it's I hope people are listening to the genuineness of we're both just two, I'm going to call us badass women, badass women who are doing some cool shit in cannabis in Austin, Texas. And I think partnerships are really important because I know that we can't do it isolated on our own island. Um, Obviously, yeah, like you said, y'all sell on grav.com, but I think that there is an opportunity to be in retailers, right? And so how do you create that sort of relationship and then I appreciate you calling us a dispensary because anytime a customer says that I'm like, oh my God, they called us a dispensary. Like this is so fucking cool right now. I have to pinch myself. But I'm I'm slowly leaning into that's
0: what it is, you know?
1: I know, but I just still am like shocked that people call it that. Cause I I think this last year, the last six months, I've definitely personally crept more into the confidence of like, yeah, we're a cannabis brand. Like let's be bold about it, you know, talk the way that you want to talk, market the way you want to market. But then there is part of me that's like, oh shit, I have to be cautious. And like, you know, some, some blunt talk. I mean, just to emphasize the podcast title, I'm really scared shitless on what's happening in Texas when it comes to smokeables. I think there's an air of like, oh, it's cool. We'll be fine. We'll just call it tea. But like, I also run a business and don't want to be arrested or don't want to be fined or don't want to X, Y, or Z. And so the reality is like, man, you're just, you're putting the fucking grind in every day. And so I appreciate the respect. The respect is mutual. It's like, let's just keep fucking going. And so I just, I hope people are listening and they're like, oh, that's what it takes. Okay. Let's roll our sleeves up. I want to be like those women. So you're helping encourage and inspire. And I appreciate it.
0: Yeah. It's not for the weak of heart. That's for sure.
1: No, it is not. It is not. Which speaking of that, I'll, I'll wrap this up and let you go soon. But I'm gonna probably go partake in some CBD myself. It's been a it's been a day. But is there a favorite device then maybe to add on to that question? Out of all the products that you guys have, what's your favorite um, device that you guys make?
0: Oh, I mean, it's a fan favorite, and I see why. I just I fell in love with it the first day that I saw it. It's that wide base, but particularly it's the um, it's that other version, the smoke, where it's got a smoke perk and a smoke neck. And there's something that's so elegant about that combination of that color glass and the clear and the shape of the, that profile. I mean, it sits great on the table. It feels amazing in the hand. And it's something that you would be proud to show off. So yeah, hands down, the smoke wide base.
1: You heard it here. Maria's favorite piece. Everybody has to go get it. I don't think we have that one in the shop. So we'll have to talk to our our rep and make sure that we get some of those in. So if people are in Austin, they can come shop with us too. But thanks for being on the show. Let us know where we can find you guys on the web, social media handles,
0: things like that. Definitely. It's grab.com. And then also our Instagram is at grab labs. Same thing for Facebook and Twitter.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Maria, again from Grab. I appreciated having you on the show. Sorry for the love fest, but Grab is one of those brands that is just keeping it real in my backyard. And it was extra fun for me to have this convo with Maria because... I've been watching their brand evolve over the years, so to get to hear the behind the scenes and the backstory to Grav is really fascinating and just goes to show with a really good product idea and determination, you really can achieve anything, even if it takes you 10 years in to form a marketing department. So lots of lessons learned, mad gratitude to Maria and the whole team at Grav, and I hope you will connect with them on social media. Check out their pieces at restartcbd or grab.com. And if you like this episode, I kindly ask you to leave a review, a rating, and or pass it along to a friend who should hear this conversation. Thanks always from the bottom of my heart and talk to you on the next episode. Bye. Love this episode of To Be Blunt? Be sure to visit com slash to be blunt for more ways to connect. New episodes come out on Mondays. And for more behind the scenes, follow along on Instagram at the